as we approach God's word and scripture, let us do so with prayer. Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes, and open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness, and fill our minds with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without light. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways, and open us always to the guiding of your Spirit. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, 22nd chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. Listen now to what the Spirit has to say to the people. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And then he said to them, Whose head is on this? Whose title? And they answered, The emperor's. And they said, And he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When we give to God, we are really giving back to God. We are returning to God what God has so generously given to us. Ourselves, our lives, the nature of our lives. And in the scripture we read today, there are two images in question. One is the image printed on the coins used to pay the tax of an empire. And the other image is the image of God. The image of God which is printed on the hearts of faithful people, faithful people who buy their lives, give and give back to God. Being made in God's image means that we belong to God with so much grace. For God cares for people so deeply. And when we give back to God, we return. We graciously and gratefully return a love, a grace, a joy that comes from the one who printed their likeness within us. Today's sermon is four stories. Just four, 
not much else, honestly. There are stories to explore what it is like to give to God. About giving to God what is God's. And to begin, I will offer a modern retelling of our scripture text for today. The story is about a group of people who obeyed all the rules perfectly, and they gathered to ask Jesus a question. This group was strict about their about the laws of the government, as well as their community's religious customs and laws, as well as their own personal observance of their faith. The group that gathered was were followers of well-known religious and political leaders, and they wanted to trick Jesus into saying something that might damage him. But first, they buttered Jesus up. We know you have integrity, they said. We know that you speak of God accurately. We know that you do not take sides. We know that you do not mislead your followers. So, teacher, is it appropriate to pay taxes to Caesar? Or is it the wrong thing to do? And Jesus said, why do you play games with me? Do you have a coin? Let me see it. Whose face is on the coin and whose name is on the coin? Those who gathered said it was the emperor's, it was Caesar's face and Caesar's name. Then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. Caesar desires a tribute of money, so make a tribute. And when you give back to God, give what belongs to God. For God desires you to give your gratitude and your love just as you are loved. And the people left Jesus not knowing what to say. Our second story is one that I heard told by pastor and preacher Otis Moss III. He's the pastor at Trinity United Church of Christ in Chicago. I heard him tell a story about the legendary pastor, teacher, and preacher Howard Thurman. It was a story that Otis Moss III's father, Otis Moss Jr., would tell him as a boy. And the story is about young Thurman, who as a small boy saw an elder a man in his 80 planting trees. Young Thurman said to the man, You will not be around to taste the fruit of the trees that you plant. And the man paused and said to him, Son, I have been eating from trees that I did not plant for my entire life. It is my job to plant trees for someone else to eat from. When we give to God, we give with gratitude to God. 
We plant trees for someone else to eat from, knowing that we have eaten from trees that were planted for us. When we give back to God, we give beyond ourselves. The third story is a story from my own life. When I was in my early 20s, fresh out of college, I wanted to volunteer for a food ministry. You see, at the time, I'd been working in the wine industry, and that work meant that my days, or really my evenings, were often filled with incredible food, making wine pairings, doing wine tastings, and I have to tell you, it was awfully delicious work. But as I did this work, I was also growing more and more aware of hunger issues and the different needs of food security in the world, as well as in my home here in Detroit. So I wanted to support and give my energy toward a place where I could both learn more and give myself to other people. So I wanted to give because of the privilege that I had experienced of the life that I was living in a very culinary world. I got connected to a soup kitchen in Detroit and I got in the habit of volunteering weekly for about a year. But my first day was an interesting one when I met a coordinator who checked me in and ran me through paperwork and all the regular things of of volunteers, the regular sets of questions and, and uh, contact information so we could be in touch about schedules and opportunities. And then she got to her last question on her list and she asked me who my PO was. I was a little bit naive at the time. I didn't know what my PO was. I said I have an address, I don't have a, a, a PO box. And she said, no, no, no. Who is your parole officer? I said, I, I, I don't have one. She said, then why are you here? Why are you here? I, I want to volunteer, I said. And then she said, no one at your age just wants to help. When you are ready, you need to sign your paperwork to bring it to your office or bring it to me. My reason to give was different than what her past knowledge had taught her. But you see, when we give back to God, we give of ourselves freely, openly with a desire to be part of what God is doing, faithful generosity is a joyful response. A joy like the kind Laura has described for us this morning. It is a desire to give that comes from, from a place, a joy, a love that is rooted in this deep knowledge that we are cared for, we are connected, that we are together, that we are loved, no matter what.
just one more story. It's a little longer than the others, but it's also a little bit bigger. In July, there was a story on the radio about Lost Common County in Ireland. And their community had a particular response to the pandemic. You see, Roscommon has the highest concentration of people over the age of 80 years old in Ireland, and it has a large number of people who have been at high risk for infection. So when Ireland announced a stay, uh, a shelter-in-place order, uh, they announced it with a term called cocooning. And cocooning meant that a significant number of people would be stranded at home. It did not have the same silky, warm feeling that a cocoon ought to have, despite the use of the word. You see, Ireland's cocooning practices were strict for the immunocompromised as well as for people over 70 years of age were expected and required to stay at home at all times. There were no provisions for leaving for basic needs like groceries or going to the post office, things like this. And of course, the dividing line naturally drew between generations. And with so many people forced to stay home, not only was the isolation and and the loneliness difficult, but there, there were the very basic needs of sustaining a normal life that were inhibited. The local radio station in Roscommon County started a new show during that time called The Rossi Way. Roscommon Way, The Rossi Way. It was an interview-based show that invited local residents to come on the air and have conversation that people ordinarily would have connected with around town. There was the local priest, the, married, the, the mail carrier, a barber in town, scout leaders, bartenders at the pubs, and so on. And, and even some residents would come on and just offer recipes or ideas about meals. They would offer what was going on in town. The show was described as being like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, only for adults. And it had this warm, personal, friendly tone. It, it avoided talking about the coronavirus or cocooning, and instead it tried to bring conversations that people would have had with one another around town, but could no longer have, and they put those conversations on the air. While Roscommon County hardly needed a call to action, the show helped to connect people with one another in a new way, help people know who to call on when they needed something while they were cocooning. And Roscommon County and its people showed up for one another where there were and it was not just the usual suspects, not just the, the 
people who typically volunteered, entire civic groups helped out and pitched in and got involved. The drama club, the gardening association, the local football league, they all made it their mission to help people stay in their homes and stay connected to one another. And it turned out that cocooning in Roscommon County changed some of the ways that the community related to one another. And it's been expressed that they hope that those ways will continue. People under the age of 70 started calling out people over the age of 70 and offered to do all of the very basic errands that they were prohibited from doing. And while the basics of, of food and prescriptions and other ordinary things got covered, the reason why Roscom is so special is that the way they related went far beyond this. The offers became pretty detailed and rather lavish. One person went to the stables each day for a neighbor to take care of their horse. People would drive one another's cars periodically to make sure that the engines would keep running well. And beyond very basic provisions, people brought lemon drizzle cakes and fresh salmon cutlets and floral arrangements started appearing on doorsteps all around town. The story about Roscommon profiled one particular woman's experience. Was described that it was as though her whole daily schedule was discussed and divvied up in advance by neighbors who were helping her and they were neighbors that she didn't even necessarily know all that well. The attitude among the neighbors helping other neighbors was an extraordinary cultivation of what one person said was answering the question, what is the most I can give? And while some who were cocooning were naturally, were naturally reluctant to accept this very generous hospitality, almost too generous of hospitality. It makes sense we do naturally love our independence, after all. But the desire to lift one another up in the community became so significant that people opened to the generosity of others. A woman named Eva spoke about the way people were coordinating the community's needs to make sure that everybody was looked after. She explained that there is a word in Gaelic that's translated as generous, and she used this word to describe the way Ross Common helped one another. The word is lehulik. Listen to it on Google quite a few times to get that, so I hope you appreciate it. <laughs> I gotta say it again, it's a great word. But this word is so hard to translate into English because it means something far more than just generous. It's a concept of generosity that is over the top in its exuberance. It is a generosity that risks going too far. It is a generosity that 
lives out of this wellspring of joy that just can't help but being shared with another person. It is a generosity that would make others feel lifted up and cared for, to remind them that they matter. And Eva, in describing this word, said, this experience is bigger than any of us. We are all in this together, and we all have to pull together. When we give back to God, we give with the kind of mentality of thinking and orientation that asks, what is the most that I can give, and what will lift people up and bring us together. When we give back to God, we give what belongs to God. It starts with the heart, and then with our faith, and then with our relationships, and then so much follows thereafter. God desires that we give our gratitude and love from that place of knowing that you are loved. You are loved by God. And when we give to God, we give with a gratitude to God. It is as though it is an act of, of planting trees for someone else to eat from, even if we won't see the fruits. When we give back to God, we give beyond our own lives. When we give back to God, we give freely and openly with a desire to be part of what God is doing in us and around us. Faithful generosity is a joyful response. And when we give back to God, we give thinking, what is the most that I can give and what will lift people up? What will lift my neighbor up? What will bring us together as a community, as neighbors, as the people of God, as the body of Christ. For when we give back to God, we remember, we recognize, we experience, and we discover once again how very, very close we are to God. And for that, we can joyfully give God our thanks and praise each and every day.